You are listening to the Your Shining Self podcast for women who need messages of hope, love, and transformation. And now your host, Tish. If you'd like to get the show notes from today's episode, be sure to head on over to shiningself.com forward slash 32. Hey there, listeners. Today, I'm so excited to have Rihanna Milne with me. Did I say that correct? Yes, you did. All right. So Rihanna is a certified global life and love coach, a certified clinical trauma and addictions professional, a certified mindfulness coach, number one best-selling author, the host of her podcast called Lessons in Life and Love, an educational speaker, and is a certified mindset coach and licensed mental health counselor for close to 20 years living in Palm Beach County, Florida. She was also a life and dating coach for the docu-series Radical Dating, Finding Lasting Love Over 40, and her client is now happily married. Rihanna specializes in those who have had past childhood or relationship trauma and offers VIP one-on-one coaching and online virtual group programs for both singles and couples at her lifeandlovetrainingacademy.com. Rihanna's free app, Lessons in Life and Love on the Go, offers many videos and her podcasts. Her five-star rated books, the number one bestseller, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships, To Have the Love You Deserve, and Live Beyond Your Dreams, From Fear and Doubt to Personal Power, Purpose, and Success, addresses life, difficult transitions, personal transformation, the mindset for success, and having loving, conscious relationships with yourself and others. Rihanna's Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Coach Rihanna Milne, and her websites are www.riannamilne.com, and her podcast is at Lesson in Life and Lessons in Life and Love.com. And I will be sure to put all those links in show notes. <laughs> Thank listeners. you, Tish. Yep, Hi. so that they have them. <laughs> Well, welcome, Rihanna. I am honored to have you here. So first, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and join me. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. All right. So let's go ahead and dive right in. I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to be covering today. So I'm curious, will you tell myself and my listeners, how did you get started as a life, love, and relationship coach? Okay. Well, it was a journey. (laughs) Uh, In my later years, I went back for triple masters and applied clinical and counseling psychology and pretty much took the traditional route of being a licensed mental health counselor in New Jersey for 14 years and then another few years down in Florida. Um, And I decided I really am more of a coach. Even when I was a therapist, I like motivating, inspiring, and offering solutions when people are there with me, you know, versus dragging it out and uh, taking forever to get to solutions. So uh, in 2009 and 10, I went to RCI, Relationship Coaching Institute, to become certified and then went on to become a CCTP certified um, trauma professional. And I'm also an addictions professional. But I had found um, over the years that I ended up really working with a lot of people that had trauma childhood trauma. I was in the school at every grade level from kindergarten through college as a SAC counselor, student assistance counselor. 
worked in a hospital setting for those kids, uh, children all the way till 19, runaways, eating disorders, self-mutilation, uh, drug and alcohol abuse. Worked in an adolescent rehab center and with women from the prison system uh, called drug court. They ended up in a rehab center. And then I had a relationship with a man that I adored and um, all of a sudden our world exploded when he was uncovered for having a secret life. And he was a principal at a school and it just doesn't work in a school system. So not only did he lose his job, his reputation, and, um, but it ruined our relationship, my work, um, our family, you know, it was just very devastating. And I really found that I knew that I was in post-traumatic stress disorder because this was a sudden event and um, very shocking for me. So I'm wondering, you know, what did he do? Why would he sabotage everything that we had? Because we had a great love and we traveled the world and we loved dancing together. We had a really great romance. Why would he sabotage that? So I knew he was ACOA, which is adult child of an alcoholic, but I knew there was more. And I started the research because that was the part that could help me to heal. Um, I annulled the marriage, went busy with my research because my seven psychotherapist friends had no idea what he had. They could not help me um, to wow. heal from this and they had no answers for me. So um, I uncovered and put together childhood trauma and the checklist, which I call the childhood trauma checklist. And there are more than 10 traumas, but there were the top 10 traumas that kept showing up over and over again with all the different populations that I work for and in love relationships, not only mine, but in my counseling center, I found in the couples that I worked with, you know, childhood events kept relating to their problems in love. And all the research was starting to show this for me. So that's how I got into childhood trauma. And I found that it really helped heal me and it changed my life. And I was so thrilled with the results of the research plus what I uncovered to heal from this as a trauma professional that I said, I have to take this out to the world. And that's how I started specializing in this area and went global in 2017. So I could help more people from the convenience of my home and my computer. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you know, as I was listening to you talk about that, I can't even imagine, like I have went through some pretty crappy breakups in my life, <laughs> but none because somebody had a secret life. I can't even begin to like imagine and wrap my head around. It's just much more common than you would know when, than you think. When I did the research in 2011, uh, they said one in 25 people were sociopathic. Now it's more like six in 25, where sociopaths use people for pleasure or profit with no remorse. You'll never hear an apology, you know, and I'm sorry, you'll never hear that. So a lot of people, when they come to me, I said, like, I'm still waiting for him to apologize. I said, well, don't wait for it because you're going to make yourself crazy. You know, the important thing is you heal from it and we need to let him go, you know, and um, really realizing that people that do emotional harm to others usually have had severe levels of childhood trauma as my partner did. Wow. Um, I guess I did not know that it was like that common. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, now that you're saying it and I'm hearing it, but mm -hmm. that is, 
that's way too common. That's kind of scary. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the research shows with childhood trauma, 90% have one to three of the traumas on the list of 10 that I'll be sharing with your listeners tonight. So um, you've got to say, okay, if I'm not in the 90%, you know, the, the little standing joke is, well, if you're not in the 90%, you're the 10% that's sociopathic and nothing's wrong with you. <laughs> so most people find something in there. It's like, yes, that happened to me. And then, you know, this is where people can get stuck or sabotage themselves in life, love, or in business. Wow. Well, that's a perfect segue into talking about those 10 traumas. So would you please describe to my listeners the 10 traumas that are experienced during childhood that affect an adult later in life and in their love relationships? Yes, of course. Um, I suggest to the listeners for your shining self to be that, you know, you need to heal from these traumas. So get a piece of paper and write them down. See if any of these apply to you. And you write three columns. The first column would be me, meaning yourself. The second one would be partner, anyone you struggled with in a relationship. And the third one put parents because the research shows that this goes through at least three generations, if not more. So if you have childhood trauma, your parents had it. So as I go through the list, you could put mom, dad, or both. And it kind of helps tell the family story a little bit more clearer. And I always say you can't change what you don't understand. So we're going to start with a 10. And as I list them, I want you to really know this is not about blame, blaming your parents at this time in life, because really parents do the best that we can and we know how, right? And yes. we were probably coming from an un, <laughs> uh, unhealed system ourselves. Um, and then it's not about um, shame. I don't want you to feel embarrassed if any of these things happened. Sometimes you have to think a little bit longer on them. Like when I was doing the research, I could clearly see those of my partner. And it's like, I don't think I have any of these. And I really had to think about it. You know, So one of them was very clear uh, that I was bullied as a kid. Um, but you know, the others I had to give some more thought to. So that's how we're going to look at this. And okay. um, some people out there might've heard of the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Events. Um, and interestingly enough, our, our list did not match. It matched in some areas, but very different in others. And as their study uh, correlated over 17 subjects and their unhealed childhood trauma and their findings were all about how that brings on early disease and illness in life, but it did not go into life and emotions, love and business. So that's where my end goes into it a little bit more. Okay, so here's the 10 traumas. When you were young and little and innocent, did any of these things happen to you in your household? One, did either of your parents have addiction? Now the Kaiser study mentions, did they use drugs and alcohol and stopped? Well, I'm an addictions counselor, so I saw all kinds of addictions, you know, ruin the kids that I was working with. So I name 11. So it's drugs, alcohol, sex, which is a chronically cheating parent, porn, gambling, hoarding, eating, spending, gaming, TV watching, and workaholism. There's 11. Then now there's more, but those were some of the common 11. Okay. Second, was there any verbal um, altercations, fighting between mom and dad, or verbal abuse. Now, Kaiser says, if you witness your family fighting or divorcing, I add, if you never hear, I love you, or I'm proud of you, or great job, and instead you might have heard verbal put-downs, or told you're not good enough, you'll amount to nothing, 
or when they're mad at you, they, they break into silence. You know, there's, they don't talk to you for hours or days at a time because they're mad at you. So that's verbal. Third is emotional abuse and neglect. Fourth is physical abuse, any beatings, um, sexual abuse, rape, or molestation. And those could have occurred inside or outside of the home. The next one is abandonment. Now, they did not have abandonment on their charts at all. And later, uh, they did add it, you know, but mine was on from the very beginning because I worked with a lot of kids of abandonment. So abandonment, I named two types, fault and no fault. So a no fault abandonment would be um, if a parent died early, if they went off to serve war, and if they were gone from the home a lot because that's how they supported your family. And that was one of my situations of like, yes, I remember always asking my mom, when's daddy coming home? And she would answer in disgust. I don't know. I don't know where he is. And that was very disconcerting for a kid. Well, later we learn in life, he was FBI and CIA and he couldn't tell his family that he served that way. You know, so um, that was one of mine. A fault abandonment would be if the parent chose to never be in the child's life. If they were in the child's life early on, but there was a divorce or the relationship broke up and they just didn't stay in touch, it was very erratic. Or the last one, um, let's say they are seeing you from time to time, but they don't pay much attention to you. The kid's in the room on their computer and dad's out hanging out with his new girlfriend or watching football all weekend, something like that. Okay, the next one would be if you were adopted, part of foster care, or needed to go live in somebody else's home because your parents lost their house or you know, they couldn't take care of you. Next one is the most common, trauma number seven is personal trauma. And that's if you were bullied, uh, put down, teased, uh, you felt different, maybe you were an overweight child or skinny and gawky child, or you felt like or were called the nerd in school, or you had a medical condition like asthma and had to go to the nurse all the time or couldn't be on the sport teams, or you were diagnosed ADHD, oppositional defiant, some other kind of label that you needed special classes. Um, you're very shy and couldn't interact with the other kids. Now, I know a lot of these because I worked in the schools, right? So um, I saw the impact that this had on the kids and many of these kids came from traumatic homes. Okay, the next one is sibling trauma. So this is if your sibling bullied you, if they were born with a medical condition commanding more of mom's and dad's time, or most commonly, they were perceived as the golden child. So they had either more talent than you, uh, were more handsome or beautiful, more smart on the sport teams, whatever. They tended to get more of moms and dads' compliments and attention. Uh, trauma number nine is two. I brought one from the later list down because it had to be in the top 10, but I don't want to say the top 11. It didn't sound right. <laughs> so the first part, 9A, is family trauma. And like Kaiser, I mentioned incarceration of a parent. Um, but there's other things that I named, like growing up with lack, uh, with poverty in a dangerous area, always hearing we don't have enough money for food or heat. Um, the military kids whose uh, families have to move every two to four years are always the new kid in the school. Um, also, if... Um, Let's see. Okay. If you lost your home through the mortgage crisis, something like that. 
Okay. Okay. And then the next part, 9B, is community trauma. So that is if there was a mass shooting, a school shooting, loss of big communities by flood, fire, hurricane, mudslides, volcanoes, anything like that, which of course is devastating for the adults. But can you imagine these little children that have to live through that kind of fear and impact of losing their home in the middle of a fire? Um, and then the last one, number 10, is if your mom or dad had any mental health issue. Now, if you're part of the baby boomers like I am, our parents didn't go to counseling. They wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> and um, they, you know, they weren't diagnosed, most of them. So you kind of have to guess here. Uh, bipolar and borderline are the most too difficult for the children to navigate through. So borderline I describe as quick trigger anger. Uh, when they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid. So their moods were all over the place and you never knew what you were going to get, leaving kids walking on eggshells. And uh, bipolar is manic depressive. So depression can come out as anger, checking out emotionally or extreme fatigue. And uh, manic phase can show up as a gambling spree, spending spree, eating binge, something like that. So those are the 10 traumas, Tish. Well, thank you, Rihanna, for sharing those. Um, sure. And I'm tattling on myself a little, but I was trying to jot that all down as you were talking. So mm -hmm. I'm actually going to have to go and re-listen to the episode because I didn't get it all. And I was trying, so I was trying to write them down and fill out the, you know, me partner parents thing. So. Yeah. Well, I, I do give that out for free at the end. So perfect. Yes. <laughs> So now that we've touched on those traumas and you've given examples of some of them and what they are, what are some examples of destructive patterns that may emerge in someone that has past childhood trauma that they haven't healed? Yeah, this is very important. Again, the Kaiser study is brilliant if you want to know about illness att attached to this. Briefly, it is tied to diabetes, heart attacks, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, MS, Alzheimer's, because when there's stress, trauma stays stored in the brain and body cells. So until you know how to get rid of that, the cortisol is up, the stress is up, high anxiety is always there, and it's actually willing away at the body's immune system. So this is why people with unhealed trauma get sick sooner and with some of these devastating um, illnesses. So that's first. Second, let's show, see how these show up. So let's talk about love. They show up in love, let's say jealousy and control. That would be trauma number seven, not feeling good enough. Your partner could absolutely ensure you that he loves you, uh, show you all the right things and, you know, doing everything. He's, he's trustworthy, has high integrity, but you're still jealous and you have this need to control. That is a sign of unhealed trauma. Um, jealousy could also come from number two, hearing you're not good enough. You'll never amount to nothing. Okay. People pleasing that comes from, let's say you have a difficult parent, a young girl grows up in a household with a mom who's an alcoholic and, and so not to hear the yelling and screaming in the morning, she will overdo. She'll get her siblings up, dressed, fed, lunches made out to the bus stop just to keep her siblings feeling safe and herself not being yelled and screamed at. 
So people pleasing then becomes the norm. And this is what happens with a lot of this. It becomes normalized that people don't even see it. And then that will be the woman that comes to me in a coupled relationship. I do both singles and couples, but the coupled relationship where she says, Rihanna, I've totally lost myself. I don't know who I am anymore. And nobody does anything for me. I always do for my husbands and my kids and nobody does anything nice for me. So she feels burnout and resentful. And she doesn't take much time for herself. Let's talk about where does lying and manipulating come from? If there's a single woman out there dating someone very charming, how can she recognize this? Or where does this come from, this childhood behavior? Well, let's say there's a little boy, um, has an F on his test, know he's going to get beat by his father if he goes home to get that sign, so he makes it into an A, gets away with it. Then he learns, wow, lying works. So he becomes an expert liar to avoid the beatings. It is a coping mechanism. So as they get older, this becomes normalized and lying. Does you ever meet anyone that lies all the time about things they don't even have to lie about? Oh, that yeah. would be that person. Yes, that they were so brilliant at lying so they wouldn't get a severe punishment. And um, the manipulation would come from someone, let's say, the same family where the mom's too docile, doesn't say anything, is not connecting to the son or the father. The father's a tyrant. And he won't hear the child say, here, I love you, or get many hugs, or here, great job, son, I'm proud of you. But they will find if they go into school, and this boy charms his female teacher and schmoozes her to be the teacher's pet and you know gets um, accolades for that or gets the better grade, then he finds charm and manipulation works. This is the same about humor. So when I have my single say, oh, and a, a guy with a great sense of humor, I'm there, watch out. They are usually from a product of um, trauma in the household, you know, usually around um, beatings or verbal abuse. And they go in to be the class clown and to be funny, uh, to, you know, be popular and feel love. Yeah, my ex had a great sense of humor. He's <laughs> making jokes all the time. It's like, okay. Yes, that fits into that mold. Um, so those are just a few of it. How does this show up in life? Well, with codependency relationships, um, love addiction, any regular addiction to any substance or obsessive behavior, ongoing anxiety, that's the number one sign, and bouts of depression. Those are just a few signs of how this shows up in life and sabotaging yourself in love. So many singles come to me or women after divorce and saying, this is the fourth toxic relationship I've had. I don't know why I keep getting the same kind of person. We call it same person, different face, because it's the same personality type. Mm -hmm. And the problem is what we're told when we're growing up uh, through fairy tales and romance novels and love movies is that you fall in love with someone you have chemistry with. And that's a bad message. That is the wrong message. Yes, there needs to be some t attraction. Obviously, you're going to be making love to this person. But you really need to dig deeper. You really need to see the character of this person. People today are jumping so quickly into relationships, into intimacy, and then you're addicted to the sex without really looking at the person. And there's a lot of skills around finding an emotionally healthy, evolved, and conscious partner. And that's what I teach. I teach, you know, the love portion, um, getting 
healed in life from the trauma and then moving on to have a more quality relationship or to attract an emotionally healthy, evolved and conscious partner. Um, and the next thing that I want to talk about is the, you know, how do you get healed from the trauma? But really quick, I'm really hung up on the whole sense of humor thing. Uh-huh. So, um, and I don't want to be putting words into your mouth, but you're not saying that everybody that has a great sense of humor comes from childhood trauma, correct? Well, I did a study on comedians. Now, these are people that use humor as a profession, right? So it's kind of over the top, funny. Yeah, most of them have some childhood trauma. That's very interesting. I know just tons of people that I think have a great sense of humor. So I, for some reason, I'm just really hung up on that. (laughs) See, try giving them the list. See if the list relates to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had a, I love comedy shows. I, I'm, I get free tickets all the time to the one in Palm Beach. And um, I often stay and have a good conversation with the comedian or they end up going where I go afterwards because I'm a VIP member there. And, you know, we, I have these conversations and they're like, wow, how did you know? You know, or it clearly comes out in their skit. You know, my dad used to beat me so hard. It was this, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that is mostly what I have found in my research. Yeah, I'll definitely do some digging in that. Cause like I said, I literally, I'm so hung up on this right now. It's not even funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's jump into now that we've covered the different traumas, how they can show up in life and love. If somebody is listening right now and they know that they have a childhood trauma or traumas that, you know, they haven't dealt with, they've kind of done, you know, different things to numb those things. Right. Coming from personal experience, I'm an alcoholic, sober five and a half years now. Ah, congratulations. Thank yes. you. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I numbed a lot of, and it wasn't all childhood trauma. There was things that happened as a young woman and all that. Well, love trauma. Yeah, that's what I help with, childhood and love trauma. Because you could have that ideal childhood, but your first or second love experience, you know, if that was traumatic, if they were, you caught them cheating, you know, something that happened to me that was traumatic. So yeah, that trauma can happen either, you know, in your childhood relationships or your love relationships. Great point. And I'm glad that we touched on that because we didn't touch on that before. So I'm glad that Mm -hmm. that just came up. So somebody that does have that childhood trauma, what is, can you give my listeners one tip, something that will help them start to heal or what can they do to move in the direction of healing? Yeah. Well, um, I have a 150 page workbook, so it's hard to give, you know, many, many tips, but it really does depend on what are their traumas and what are the level of traumas and the levels are one to 10 with 10 being the worst. So everybody is their own puzzle. What might be great for one may not work for the other. So it's very individualized, but in general, what's really important is to identify what the traumas are first, the levels of severity, Where's the trigger coming from? And really uh, go deep with uh, spiritual work, which is um, forgiveness, Um, learning to make the subconscious consciously aware. In other words, what was normalized, we have to look at it and change the behavior patterns. We actually have to change the actual behaviors, the thought processes. Um, 
So this is what I call when we're working with the mind, teaching the mindset for success. Uh, they find the acting out or the response to an emotional trigger becomes less and less. Um, their understanding, if they're in a partnership and communication uh, with their partner uh, is totally changed. We have to rebuild it on trust. So if I'm working with a couple, I have to look at partner A, partner B, and understand where their traumas are, and then look at the cycle of the relationship. What do they keep fighting about? And then teach them new patterns of their relationship. I mean, one thing all my clients do is meditate. Because meditation, that 15 minutes, I have a series called Divine Spiritual Meditation. But it is proven in science and quantum physics that meditation every day, 15 minutes is all you need, lowers anxiety, depression, cortisol levels, which is your fight or flight, um, the blood pressure, and increases dopamine and serotonin levels of the brain, which are your happy chemicals. So um, that is a very important skill that they learn and do every day. Um, and, you know, the, it, the, pro the process with me is very interactive. So as they do their workbook, they send me the sheets, how they write. So I use bibliotherapy. I see how they're writing. For example, one girl's there, my dad, my dad, my dad, and went really heavily into her dad. And I said, did you realize you didn't mention your mom once? She goes, I didn't. You know, she didn't even recognize it. And the wow. mom was like a ghost in the family because she didn't speak up for her daughter. There was like zero relationship. And that came out in her writing. So I use a lot of different skills to help um, really get to the deep um, center of the trauma and where it's coming from. And then once we know, because you can't change what you don't understand, once we understand it, now we start the process of making her or him consciously aware and changing the behavioral patterns. So does that make sense? It does. And I mm -hmm. think awareness is so important because I know for me personally, I wasn't able to start changing, you know, going back to the alcoholism, I wasn't able to start making changes to solve that issue until I personally was aware of the fact, okay, I do have a problem and the path that I'm going down is literally killing me. Right. So, and then just being aware of so many things now, it just, awareness is huge and I'm glad that it you is. touched on that. Yeah. And I have like 20 assessments in my module one, Awake to Awareness. So I dig really deep and it's very, very enlightening. We will use several sessions on just that module to get very deep. And then we know exactly what we're both working on as a team, my client and I, and I catch them. You know, it's like a rainbow. They start at, I don't know what I don't know. And then as they're going up the learning curve, they get better and they become more relaxed and more confident, but then they might slip. And then they get better and then they might slip. So why is the slippage? It's because the um, unconscious and emotional triggers are so strong um, that it takes us a while with new behavioral patterns and new ways of thinking, which we call conscious awareness, um, to really take hold. So, but I'm with them every step of the way to make sure that happens. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So Rihanna, this has been a great conversation and I feel like we could spend so much longer talking about it because it is so involved and deep, but can you sum up everything that we've talked about 
that we've talked about so far and tell my listeners about your gifts. Sure. I mean, in summary, I just want to say, once you learn the mindset for success and these skills, your childhood trauma and love trauma is gone. You no longer have that reaction and it can occur around your heart, in your stomach or in your mind. That's when you're triggered. You feel it there. And it's so great to get the body into a full relaxed state and that you just don't react anymore to trigger. So once you learn it, you've got it forever. So that's why I say now is the time to create that life you desire and have the love you deserve um, because you deserve this. You only have one life and not only are you doing it for yourselves, but if you're in a partnered relationship for the both of you and also for your children, it's so important that your children learn this, um, no matter what stage they are, you can start now and help them uh, become evolved and very successful adults if you teach this mindset for success. Okay, so my free gifts. Yes, I have plenty. I come bearing gifts. Um, they're mostly found on my website, rihannamilne.com. That's rihannamilne.com. And first at the top of the page, it says take the free love test. So that's where you can find the childhood trauma checklist, the ACOA list. Um, and there's a test there for couples and one for singles. Scrolling down the page, you can get free chapters of both my books, Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams. They are meant to go together. And a little further down, you'll see the links to get my free app, Lessons in Life and Love, on the go, and then a link to my podcast page. And I release a new show every Friday of Lessons in Life and Love. Well, I definitely will be heading over to check out your podcast because I'm interested in hearing. <laughs> you'll learn a lot. Yeah. Well, I've learned a lot just in the little bit of time that I've been chatting with you already. <laughs> oh, great. Great. And if people want more information on childhood trauma, I do have a free ebook. That's at havetheloveyoudeserve.com. Havetheloveyoudeserve.com. So that will go deeper into this subject that we didn't have time for. Excellent. And again, I'll make sure that I include all these links in show notes Thanks, so Tish. that, yeah, so that people can just click right through to get them. Well, Perfect. again, Rihanna, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today to join me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate being on your show. And definitely it's possible to have your shining self, everyone. So don't delay, you know, do whatever it takes for you to get the help so that you feel fantastic about your life and love situation. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Your Shining Self podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, and share with others that need a message of hope, love, and transformation.